I want to pick up again. We were speaking on the Spirit of God, and we're going through the, the Bible, looking at the Spirit of God. And God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God's Word is an encouraging word to our spirit. God's Word is always out to give us the truth. The Bible says, Jesus said, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. The truth does not bring us into captivity. The truth does not abuse us. The truth sets us free, brings us into the love and the liberty that is in Christ. And so we're going to see this morning that what God, from the very beginning of time, all the way through, even through Christ is teaching, the God tells us for He wants us to have a care, a reverence in handling His Word and His worship and our service to Him. God loves us. God cares about us, and and God, but God wants to make us understand that He loves us. He came, he humbled himself to take on flesh. He went to Calvary's cross for us. His love for us, is, is, is it can't be expressed any greater than what he's expressed through Christ Jesus. But God also wants us to understand he is a holy God. He is a holy God. He is a righteous God. And he wants us to love him and, and, and be with him. But he wants us... As my, as, as again, as everything comes together, as my wife is teaching in tab, she's beginning to teach the tabernacle in Sunday school. And I want to encourage you to come into Sunday school, the teaching of the tabernacle, as we see Christ in it, as we see how God wants us to approach him is a powerful study. It changed my life many years ago. And, and as I uh, went to it and, and taught it, so I encourage you to come. But this is also continuing to see how God is a holy God and through the working of his spirit wants us to approach him according to his word. According to his word. In 1 Samuel chapter 4 verse number 3. 1 Samuel chapter 4 verse number 3. We see how the, the Israelites at that time, their hearts were straying from God. And they were not serving God. They were not worshiping God the way they should have been worshiping God and approaching God. And when the Philistine armies approached, and we had gone over this, I want to bring this out again because we're going to another portion that ties these things together. And the Philistines came and they began to conquer the Israelites in battle because the Israelites were not right in their heart with God. They were not right in their heart with God. God is always concerned about our inner man, our heart, and our spirit. How is our attitude of heart? How is our, how is our spirit? Is, is that right with God, hungry for God, wanting to do with God? And so, because we battle with our heart and we battle with the flesh, we battle with soulish things, but our heart. It says, and when the people were coming to the camp, the elders of Israel said, wherefore hath the Lord smitten us today before the Philistines? Meaning they lost the battle. The Philistines beat them in battle. And it says, let us fetch. A dog fetches. A bone. They're saying, let us fetch the Ark of the Covenant. Huh? Let us fetch the Ark of the Covenant. What is the Ark of the Covenant? 
The Ark of the Covenant was, was, was given to, told by God how to make it and what to place in it. And God says, it will bear my presence. And the Ark of the Covenant was to, to, to symbolize or represent the presence of God. And the presence of God is something we cannot treat lightly or irreverently. And so they were saying, go fetch the Ark of the Covenant. Like, go bring that thing up here. It became, that you understand, they lost the reverence of the Ark of the Covenant. They lost the reverence of God who is holy and righteous. Of his very presence. They treated it without, without, they were out of order. They treated it with, go fetch it. Go fetch it. You throw a stick and you say to a dog, go fetch that thing. You throw a bone and you say, go fetch that thing. We don't fetch the presence of God. We'll never treat the presence of God as say, let's, let's, let's just go, hey, somebody go fetch the presence of God and bring it here. That's irreverent. But this is what the Israelites were saying. And so they went and they got the Ark of the Covenant think that, thinking that, that this Ark is going to bring the presence of God and it's going to magically make everything all right. But their hearts weren't there. Their hearts weren't reverencing the presence. They weren't, they weren't hungry for the presence of God. They were hungry for something, an article to come in and say, okay, here, magically make everything all right now. We cannot expect to, to be irreverent with the presence of God and just say, oh, if God's presence shows up, everything will be all right. We have to have a, a desire and a hunger to know him and worship him and love him and say, yes, Lord, manifest your presence in our midst. If we do so honorably and reverently, God shows up and things happen. But if we are disrespectful and, and irreverent of the presence of God, we are fooling ourselves. We are deceiving ourselves. We are putting blinders over our eyes. And so they says, fetch the covenant of the Lord out of Shiloh unto us. And when it comes among us, it may, it may, it may, it may save us. It may save us out of the hands of the enemy. What was their concern? Their concern was that they don't, don't get beat up anymore. That the enemy doesn't get a victory over them anymore. They weren't concerned about loving God, serving God, worshiping God. It was like, bring the ark out so he could beat up the enemy for us and we can just continue to live our days uh, uh, irreverently before God. Their hearts were not right with God at this time. God wants a people whose hearts are right with him. God looks at your heart and says, I want you to love me. Don't you see how much I love you? And so their hearts were irreverent with God. And they brought out the ark. So the people sent to Shiloh, verse 4, Lindsay, that they might bring from thence the ark of the covenant of the Lord, which host dwelleth between the cherubims, and the two sons of Eli, Hophni and, and, and Hophni and Phinehas were there with the Ark of the Covenant. Now they sent these two priests who were, who were abusing the priesthood, abusing the people of God whose hearts were far from God. So now the people were saying, go fetch it and send Phinehas, Hophni and Phinehas to go fetch it. These were two guys living in sin before the Lord. They were priests living in sin. Read the Bible. They were living in sin and Eli, their father, the priest, would not correct them. 
So here's a people saying, go fetch the ark, send these two sinners to go fetch the ark and bring it out and everything is going to be okay. What foolishness. We can't be living in sin, uh, and I'm not saying this to condemn us. I'm saying this, that I'm not saying anyone here is living in sin. I'm saying the word of God sets an example for us to think because the truth sets us free. These people were living in sin, their hearts were far from God, and they thought that, that just bringing in the ark, bringing in and making somehow, somehow, some way, making the presence of God show up was going to make everything all right for them. And when the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, verse 5, Lindsay, and when the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord came into the camp, all Israel shouted with a great shout so that the earth rang aloud. They began to shout praises. But their hearts were far from God. Go fetch. Send, send those two big sinners, Hophni and Phinehas, Go fetch and, 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 send, and send those men who are living in sin to, to, to usher in the presence of God. And they began to shout praises, thinking, this is going to be cool, everything's going to be all right. God is not mocked. God knows, God wants to be a deliverer. He is a deliverer. He is a savior. God wants to move on your behalf. God wants to come with victory into your life and into your situation and into your circumstances. God wants to drive your enemies and scatter them and send them every way, north, south, east, and west. But unless our hearts are in a place where we're hungry to, to, to worship God and reverence God for who he is, to see that he's a holy and righteous God and wants us to approach him with a hard attitude of reverence and, and love and respect, they shouted, they made a great noise. It says the earth shook with their praise. Now God wants us to praise him. The Bible says God inhabits the praises of his people, but he inhabits the praises of his people who are worshiping him in spirit and in truth. God does not inhabit the praises of a people who are, who are serving their own pleasures and desires and own sinful ways. They can make all the noise that they want in praise and worship. They can have the best worship band, praise band in the country. And if their hearts are not right with God, if they're not worshiping God in spirit and in truth, it's just noise going up to the Lord. Like brass. The heavens are like brass. They're like clanging cymbals and, and, and all this other stuff. And when the Philistines heard the noise of the shout, they said, what meaneth the noise of this great shout in the camp of the Hebrews? And they understood that the ark of the Lord was come into the camp. Now had their hearts been right with God, had they been worshiping God in spirit and in truth, God, as we says in, in, in stay here, Lindsay, in chapter 7, it says, when they became right, afterwards, here, the filled God, God didn't stand on their behalf. They were making a loud noise. They fetched the ark. They got these two sinners to fetch the ark. And they made a great noise. Man, they cranked up the volume on that, on that praise band that they had. They cranked up the volume. And it was a loud, earth-rattling noise. But God didn't show up. 
the glory of God didn't show up. And what happened? Their blood was shed on the battlefields. Those people that were making a loud noise, their blood was shed on the battlefield they lost because the glory of God didn't show up. You can't, we just can't fetch the presence of God. Someone who's standing as a minister of the Lord has to be reverent in the presence of God. The people need to be reverent before a holy and righteous God. We need to make a shout unto the Lord. We need to praise him, but in spirit and in truth reverently. And so here they lost. They lost, they lost the battle. And we says last week, see, they, this was man's, remember last week we said in Samuel chapter 7, when Samuel told the people to repent, and they repented, and they began to pray, and their hearts were right with God, and they called upon the presence of the Lord. Then the Bible says when the Philistines came up to attack them, what did we say last time we spoke on this? That God, what? He thundered in the midst of them. His voice thundered on behalf of his people. What a difference. What a day and night difference. When we have a heart for God and worship him in spirit and in truth, God steps in and thunders to the enemy and he puts them to flight. But if we're having a reverent spirit and a reverent heart and we just think that our our praise and worship is going to be cranked up volume-wise and God's going to show up, oops, something's wrong here. But when your heart is right with God, when you're a true worshiper of the Lord, when you're in right order, God thunders on your behalf. Man's thunder counts for nothing. Make all the noise you want. If you're not right in your heart and your spirit, it's just noise. But if your heart is right, if your spirit is right, and you shout and praise the Lord, God thunders. And oh my God, that's when things change. That's what... That's when things happen. That's when your life is transformed, when you're never the same again. Man's thunder, you make a lot of noise, but you're the same day after day. No change in your life, no victory in your life, no power, no enablement. But when when God shows up and thunders because of that, your life has changed. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God is holy. He cares how we approach him, how we approach his holiness, that we must do it in spirit and in truth. We must not be afraid to approach his holiness. You know, we say, well, this is Old Testament. Well, let me tell you, in the New Testament, there are many references, and I'll give you some of them. In Luke chapter 1, verse number 74, Zacharias Who's, who's the father of John, he says that when he comes, Jesus, that we are to reverence him in holiness and in righteousness. It's speaking of Jesus, the Son of God, who came with amazing grace, who came declaring a wondrous love, who came, he says, he says, I fulfill, the Old Testament is fulfilled in me, but yet he's declared that we must look at him with holiness and with righteousness in reverencing him. You can look at 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse number 1. If you want to put these on, Lindsay, because I want us to see some of these verses in the New Testament. The Old Testament and the New Testament are 
the word of God is the same. God changes not. He wasn't holy in the old and now his holiness is okay. You do whatever you want. His righteousness hasn't changed. His holiness hasn't changed. The reverence for God hasn't changed. Only now we come through Christ Jesus to worship a holy and righteous God without fear. We can approach God in a different way. We can approach God through Christ, but we still need to approach him in holiness and righteousness through Christ with a reverence. We just don't come through Christ now with a duo worship him every any approach him any way you want no we still have to approach him with reverence and and righteousness with a holy fear in second Corinthians 7 1 having therefore these promises let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh of spirit perfecting holiness in the fear of God you see the the new the old testament is and the new testament are the same God is a holy God. He is a righteous God. And we need to cleanse ourselves. The Israelites didn't cleanse themselves. Hophni and Phinehas did not cleanse themselves. Go fetch, go fetch. They weren't cleansing themselves. Their mind wasn't cleansed. Their spirit wasn't cleansed. And God didn't show up. And the New Testament tells us we approach God now through Christ in a new way. He's washed us clean, but yet we have to approach him in holiness. We've got to put away. We've got to put away filthiness of the flesh and spirit. Perfecting holiness. Ephesians 4.24 is another verse that says, that says the same thing. And we're gonna, we're, I just want to go on from there. But 2 Samuel, go with me now to 2 Samuel chapter 6, and I want to look at, at David now. Years later, we saw what happened with Phineas and Hophni, and now years later we see David. In 2 Samuel chapter 6, now the ark of the Lord had been in the country of the Philistines seven months. And the Philistines called for the priests and diviners, saying, What shall we do with the ark? Tell us how we're to send this. Because the, the presence of God did not want to remain with the Philistines. He wanted, the presence of God wants to be with his people. With the people who love him. God, God desires to be present in your midst, in your life. God wants to be with a people who love him and, and, and care about him. But when his own people, the Israelites, didn't care about him, his presence was removed. And his Philistines began to suffer tumors and, and all kinds of things. And they said, we got to get rid of this ark because it's doing nothing but bringing us death and diseases and everything else. And so they said, what should we do? And so they said, well, you got to make restitution make restitution to the Israelites and they says make five golden tumors five golden mice and, and send them because there were five kings Philistine kings and they says send it back with the ark and so they sent it back with, they sent it you know they sent it back <clears throat> and so it went back to them and it, it went back to, to, uh, to Beth back down to Beth Shemesh over there. <clears throat> Praise the Lord. And in verse 19, when it got back to the people of Beth Shemesh, it says that they, they, because see, God gave specific instructions on who was to carry the ark 
how the ark was to be approached. And not everyone can just haphazardly go and open the ark like a, like a museum piece, like, a, again, handling the worship of God in an irreverent manner. And it says when it got back there, they were all out of order. They were, they were excited that the ark was back, but God's word told them how to approach him in a certain way, and they went a different way, and many of them, many of them, many of them perished. And it says that David, David had put the ark on a cart. Now the Philistines put the ark on a cart and sent it back to the Israelites, and it worked for the Philistines because they were not believers. The Philistines didn't know the procedure that God had said how to transport the ark. And so they, they sent it back on a cart. And then David got the ark and he was going to transport it and he put it on a cart. And as they were going on the cart, Uzzah was there with, with another man and, and the cart started to waver and, and Uzzah went and he went to touch the, to, to touch the, the ark to, to try and help God out. But he was out of water. He was out of line. And he was struck dead. And the Bible says David got angry and fearful because something was wrong here. And so he brought the ark to a man's house named Obed-Edom. Obed-Edom was a Levite. A Levite was a part of the priesthood. He knew how to approach uh, the presence of God, how to, how to be in the presence of God, that the presence of God, you, you just couldn't be irreverent. There had to be a reverence and a fear for it. So David was, became fearful. So David gave away the ark. The ark was to be where the presence of God was, was to be blessing and power and victory and future. God's very presence David didn't know how to, how to properly handle the presence of God. And so he became angry and fearful and he gave over to Obed-Edom, the ark, and David went on his way. The Bible says that Obed-Edom was blessed. He took the ark into his house. He took the presence of God into his house and the Bible says his house and him was blessed. When the presence of God is in your life and in your house, you are blessed. If you handle God reverently with righteousness and holiness, looking at him as a God who is to be worshipped, loved with all your heart, a God who is to be first place in your life. When God is first place in your life, when you truly reverence God, when you take the word of God to heart seriously and say, Lord, you're number one in my life. I love you. You're holy. You're righteous. Teach me your ways. Help me to walk in your way. Obed-Edom, his house was blessed. Your house is blessed. Jesus said that by his, what he's done, his work on Calvary has opened us up to become temples, houses of the presence of a living God. God abides in you. If you're a believer in Christ, God abides in you. The power of God wants to be at work in your life, setting you free. 
But God says, remember, I am holy God. I am righteous God, yet I choose to dwell in you. We can't understand that. We can't comprehend that fully and totally. How could a holy, righteous God choose to dwell in me? Well, it's his choice, not yours. He chose to dwell in you. We just need to say, yes, Lord, come into my life. But when he comes into my life, my life has to belong to him. My life has to be changed and transformed. I am no longer, the Bible says, I no longer, it's no longer I that live, but Christ that liveth in me. This life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loves me and gave himself for me. We have to understand there's got to be a transformation. There must be a change in our lives that God who dwells in me now is in me to change me and transform me. He loves me so much that he wants me to be conformed and transformed into his holiness and righteousness. And so we cannot live any way we choose anymore. We cannot just worship God any way we please anymore. We just can't be living one way in the world and coming in and and worshiping God, trying to cover it up with our praises and expect God to move in his power. God loves us. He's quick to forgive us. But God is saying that we can't go into a lifestyle of, of rebellion against him. He wants to bless us. So when David gave over the ark to Obed-Edom, where was David going without the presence of God? Where do we think we're going without the presence of God? Never give up the presence of God. We need the presence of God with us wherever we go. David, the Bible says, was a man after God's own heart, but he gave up the ark to Obed-Edom and he went on his way without the presence of God. What was he doing? What kind of work, what was he expecting to do without the presence of God? Without Christ, we can do nothing. Without Christ in us. Because of Christ in us, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, who is in me. And so Obed-Edom, he made room for the presence of the Lord in his house. He knew Uzzah died. He knew that that was... He could have said, oh no, don't bring that thing here. Uh-uh, I don't want to die. My family's important to me. I don't want that. He knew the presence of God would bring blessing and power into his life when he honored the Lord, respected the Lord, reverenced the Lord, worshiped the Lord. So he said, bring in the ark. And he took care of the ark, the present, for, for three months. And David went out and David learned... David went out and learned. He read the scriptures. He searched the scriptures. What did I do wrong? Why didn't I get, why did Uzzah die? What was wrong? What was, I was out of order. Something is wrong. Something is out of order. David said, what can I do? He searched, where did he go? He didn't go asking all all the top brains around. He went to the scriptures and he said, what is wrong? How, what do I need to do to bring the presence of God so that power and blessing and victory will come into my life and the life of the people, God's people, so no one else will die? And, the, and as he read the scriptures, he saw that only the Levites were to carry the ark on their shoulders. And so David inquired as he learned, you shall know the truth and the truth will set you free. God wants to bring victory into your camp. 
into your house, into your life, into our church. He's a victory God. He's a savior. He's a redeemer. But we have to do it right according to the word of God. So David searched the word of God. And he said, this is what we got to do. So he inquired, Obed-Edom, are you still living? Are you still alive? And they said, yes. Obed-Edom is not only living, he's blessed abundantly because of the presence of the Lord. And so David said, ah, I got it. You see, David got it. That if I'm in right divine order, the blessings of God will flow and the power of God will flow. So David said, we got to do things right according to the word of God, not according to our own ideas or thoughts or the way somebody else did it. The Philistines put God on a cart, but God never told the Israelites to put him on a cart. And so you can't do what somebody else does and think that they're because they didn't get zapped, you won't get zapped. God has given you different revelation than he's given an unbeliever. You can't do what an unbeliever does and think that because nothing's happening to them, nothing's going to happen to you. You are accountable to God for the word of God that has been given to you. We are to live holy and righteous. We are to let go of, of, of things, cleanse ourselves of filthiness, and worship God in spirit and in truth. God will thunder on our behalf. God will scatter our enemies. God will set us free. And so so David went back with to Obed-Edom's house with all the right things. He got his house and his men in order, divine order. There was a change made. There was a change made. David saw the word of God and said, we've got to change, guys. And he said, change for the good. Now we're going to go back and get the presence of God and have the presence of God in our midst and we're going to have victory. We are then going to shout to the Lord his praises. So they went to Obed-Edom's house after three months and they went in the proper way. They approached God rightly and properly. And when they were bringing, that says they went with gladness and joy in their heart to Obed-Edom's house. Are you coming to the house of the Lord with joy and gladness, knowing that the presence of God is here in our midst and there's joy and gladness? And so they went to Obed-Edom's house and they did what was right. They were in right order. They were right with God. Their hearts were right. They were celebrating God and worshiping God in spirit and in truth. They got the Levites, they put the ark on their shoulders and they were going back. And as they went back, David, because he searched the scriptures and said, I've got to make changes. I've got to get right with God. I've got to put things in right order. Then we will be blessed. Then God will thunder on our behalf. Then we will have victory in the camp. And so David got things in order. And as he was going back with the cart, with the presence of God, worshiping him, his heart was right. Their spirits were right with God. God. And that's when David said, now, because I got it right with God, I got things in order the right way, according to the word of God, now I can dance before the Lord. The reason David danced, because he was full of joy, that now he was doing things right with God. And so David, it couldn't hold him back anymore. God caused David to dance in his presence. It was the joy of the Lord that caused David to dance, because now he was doing it right before David went away and he was weeping and crying angry with God why did Oza die and now he says I got it right I looked at the word of God we're doing it God's way we're going to do it God's way we're going to do it God's way and David danced the joy of the Lord came upon him and he danced before the Lord hallelujah and when David did it God's way 
and dance before the Lord because that wasn't flesh. That was spirit. That was God's spirit coming into David knowing that, oh, praise God, his presence is here. We are worshiping him in spirit and truth. David danced and there was Milka, his wife, Micah. And she despised him because he was dancing before the Lord. And God says he made her barren the days of her life. God wants us to dance in his presence, knowing we are right with him, doing things in right order, according to the word of God. And that's why that word that says there's change, there's change coming. Because we're lining up with God's word, doing it God's way, according to the living word of God. We are true worshipers in spirit and truth. We are coming into proper spiritual alignment with God, worshiping him in spirit and in truth. His presence will show up and will thunder on our behalf. And we will dance before the Lord because of the joy of God in us. I'm telling you, the, the, you know, those people who want to do things man's way or the religious way, they'll say, don't dance. That's not good. Don't shout. That's not good. Don't do this. Don't raise your hands. That's not good. But God says you come into my presence the right way. When you worship me in spirit and truth, I'm telling you, your spirit, your hands will go up. Your voice will raise, shout to the Lord and you will dance before the Lord because the joy of the Lord will be in you and you cannot contain it. And I'm not saying we go crazy, but the Lord will put a joy in your step and you will be dancing before the Lord in righteousness, in spirit, and in truth because he's a great God. He's a glory in the lifter of your head. God wants to come into your midst and into your house and thunder on your behalf and say to the devil, get out of here. My, This is my son, my daughter. She is blessed of me and you will not have her. You will not have this house. God wants to stand mighty on your behalf, but we've got to do it God's way. We've got to come to him according to the way he has showed us and commanded us. We're going to dance before the Lord. You know, in the days ahead, I'm telling you, we are going to see God do such wonderful things in our lives and in our midst that there's going to be a dance in our step. If you never danced in your life, I'm telling you, when you're coming up here, you're going to be hallelujah. You're going to be you're going to start dancing for the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I received that word. It's from the Lord. You didn't have a clue about David dancing before the Lord. God did. There's change. God is changing us for the good. For the good for the good, for his glory, for his namesake. This is not about emotion. Although God does give us the joy and he, he stirs us inward, this is about bringing in the presence of God, ushering in, approaching God and letting his presence manifest and show up in a glorious way. Stand with me this morning. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord.